Amen. Let's stand all over the house this morning. We're going to ask you to look at the screens, or if you want to turn, you can in your hymn book this, this morning to page 277. We're going to sing an old hymn of the church redeemed. Let's worship the Lord again.
ask the ushers to come at this time as we get ready to take up our morning's tithes and offerings. We're going to ask you to join with us this morning as we do that. Those leading scripture and prayer will be making their way here momentarily. Amen. I'm going to ask you to let's bow for prayer today. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you and we glorify you. Father, today we come before you and we ask today, God, that you would be with us. Lord, we pray you bless the gift and the giver. Bless those that have to give and those that may not have to give. If there's anyone here today, God, that can't give for some reason, we pray that you would do that which you can so that one day they can give back to you. Every song that is sung, every note that is played, every message that is given, let it be for the glory and honor and the advancement of the kingdom of God. For everything we give you, the praise, the glory, the honor. In Christ's name we pray. The people of God together said amen. 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 Let's worship together in our tithes and offerings at this time. back to your seats. Those that are leading scripture and prayer will be uh, making their way here momentarily for that. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord at this time. While uh, those coming to lead scripture and prayer are making their way, let me uh, give you a couple uh, prayer requests. Uh, Sister Kate Skipper is under the weather today. Uh, she has been battling some sinuses and some other things and she told me she probably would not be here today. I want to continue to keep praying for Sister Barnes. She is here this morning. 
Um, and we were glad to see her back, but she still uh, needs a touch in her body. Uh, Mason was here earlier, but Mason has gotten sick uh, during Sunday school, and so he is not feeling well today. So we want to make sure we pray for him uh, as well. So there's a lot of different folks that are having some things going on right now, and so we want to make sure we remember them in prayer as well. And Brother Marin's going to come. He's going to lead us in Scripture, and then we're going to pray over these needs together. God bless you. Praise God. First um, John chapter 5. Looking at verse 3, but this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcome the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. I want to take the opportunity to pray, and as the brother said, we have a lot to pray about. Um, I've been in this church uh, some 20-some years, and, you know, churches are marked. And uh, this church is marked as a first giving church and second a praying church. So um, I want to give you an opportunity to pray and ask God to touch and meet every need. Lord, again, we're thankful, Lord, always for your love and mercy. Lord, we just ask that you have your way, Lord. Father, I'm thankful, Lord, to be among brothers and sisters in Christ that love you. Lord, we see this, Lord, in there. Sincerity, Lord, of coming into this house, Lord, every Sunday, worshiping you, praising you, and giving you thanks. Lord, I pray that you would meet every need, Lord, according to your will. Bless every song that's sung, Lord. Bless my brother, Lord, as he sings the songs of Zion. Lord, I pray, Lord, that everything that's said and done will lift you up, give you praise and honor. But, Lord, we glorify you today. In this place, we worship you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. At this time, will you welcome uh, his brother Jimmy comes. He's going to lead us in our special song this morning. So worship with him as he sings today.
thankful to the Lord today. God, you still believe he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above that which we can think or comprehend today. Amen. Lord, we worship you today. Oh, we glorify you today, Lord. Lord, we know, Lord, Lord, the highest form of praise that anyone can give is hallelujah. So, Lord, that's our prayer today. We worship you to this house. We glorify you, Lord. So, Lord, let this be our anthem to you today. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a
take the next 20 to 30 seconds and will you just welcome him in this place will you just tell him how much you love him and you adore him and you glorify him the name that is above every name will you just worship him church he's great and greatly to be praised he is the king of glory he is still king of kings and lord of lords oh we love you lord Oh, we glorify the name of the Lord. Just wanna be with you. Oh, keep worshiping Him, church. Oh, yes, we sing King of Glory. Lord, won't you fill this place? Oh, we just, just wanna be with you. Yes, we do. We just wanna be with you. Oh, let's sing King of Glory. King of Father, Lord, we stand before your presence right now, and we welcome you into this place. God, I believe we can already sense the moving of your spirit in the house. So, God, today I'm asking that God, the spirit of the Lord in which we feel in the house, God would just sit down with us in this place. God, you would just make residency with us. Father, we just, that really is our heart's prayer. We just want to be with you. Lord, we can sing hallelujah, the highest form of praise there is. There is nothing like the sweet spirit and presence of God in our life. And Father, as we get ready to continue, Lord, the remaining portion of this service today by breaking the bread of life, let us not forget that we still serve a king that's above every king. And a Lord that is above every other Lord. The one who is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first and the last. The one who was and is and still is to come. And so we'll sing hallelujah until you come again. And we'll worship in your presence until you come again. For we just want to be with you. We just want to be with you. 
Jesus' mighty name we pray. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to go to the book of Genesis, chapter 47, verse number 31, and then we'll flip to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11. Thank you for that worship team today that ushered us into the presence of the Lord. I'm thankful for them. They make me sound good and look a whole lot better. They are such a ministry to our church. God knows what he's doing, church. He always does. We've been on a series called Generations. We have walked through this for three weeks. This will be number three, third week of this series, and we'll jump right into it here momentarily. Genesis chapter number 47, verse 31. And then he, we're talking about a guy by the name of Jacob. And then he, Jacob, said unto me, talking to his son Joseph, swear to me. And so Joseph swore to him. What he was asking him is, don't leave me in this place called Egypt. Don't let me stay in bondage. Get me out of here. Even though I may die in the land of Goshen, when y'all go home, you take me home too. And he bowed himself on the head of the bed. Now, I don't normally read in your, re- in your hearing a different, a different translations very often, but I like how the NIV puts it. I'm going to put it on the screen. He said, swear to me. And then Joseph swore to him, and Israel, which is Jacob, leaned on the top of his staff, is what the NIV says. He basically, after he got the promise, he had a peace that surpasses all human understanding, and it kind of resided in him, and he said, okay, I can rest. The writer of Hebrews, we don't know who wrote Hebrews. There is speculation. The Apostle Paul could have wrote it, but it was different than any other book he ever wrote, and so there are many others that have said, no, Paul does, he always writes the same way, so it's not him. But whoever wrote it, in their hall of faith, in Hebrews chapter 11, in their hall of faith, they give us a picture of that again by saying this in Hebrews 11:21. And by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, he blessed each of the sons of Joseph, and he worshipped while leaning on the top of his staff. Now, I tell you what Joseph wanted, or what Jacob wanted, he did want to be, he knew he was in Goshen, he knew he was in Egyptian bondage, if you will, but he wanted to go home. He didn't want to stay there. Can I tell you, there's a lot of people that we come in contact with, they used to have a church family they called home, but somehow in life, sin put them in bondage, it's got them confused, got them walking in darkness, got them walking in in ways they shouldn't be walking. But they need somebody to get them home. They can't get out of bondage alone. They can't get out of Egypt alone. They can't get out. So they need somebody to make sure they get home. So under the help of the Holy Spirit and the unction of His presence, I want to preach to you a message called, I'm crippled, yet called. I may be crippled, but still called. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, to the very best of my ability, Help me to preach the unadulterated Word of God. Help me to speak what only you want spoken, and let me heard only what that you want to be heard. Father, I pray that every thing that I say would be for the advancement and the glory of Jesus Christ. 
my Lord. I pray you take a coal from the altars of heaven and anoint these lips of clay that I may decree and declare what thus saith the word of Almighty God. Father, I pray that every man, woman, boy, or girl, under the sound of my voice, God, today would hear the message from heaven. God, they would not hear anything else but you and you alone. Father, today I pray, God, that if there is one among us that does not know you as Lord and Savior before the end of this service today, they would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord. And, Father, we will forever give you the praise and the glory and honor that is due your name. And together the people of God said amen. Amen. You may be seated if you can in the presence of the Lord. We started a series called Generations. We walked through Abraham. Abraham taught us the journey of being generations of obedience. He was willing to sacrifice his son Isaac by obeying the decree of the Lord. He taught us that in order for us to impact the next generation, we have to learn to worship together, the old and the young. We have to go together. We have to walk by faith. We never can get to yonder because some folks have never been to yonder unless they have someone show the way. We started out talking about last week Isaac. He taught us about faith. He went back to the wells that his father had dug and he began to, if you will, unearth the dirt. He went back to the ancient landmarks. He went back to the places he called home and he said, look, God, I know I've seen you move here before, so I need to see you move again. And we talked about last week that sometimes we have to walk by faith, not by sight, going back to the old landmarks and saying, okay, God, I know that I've seen you do miracles before and you do uh, all kinds of things before, but I, I need you to do it one more time. God, I need you to heal one more time. God, I need you to save them one more time. God, I need you to deliver them one more time. Some of us could use one more touch of the Holy Spirit. Some of us could use one more touch of glory. We talked about we just need it one more time, God. And today we talk about a guy by the name of Jacob who teaches us that we must be generations of surrender. You and God can't vie for the same chair. You've got to decide when you're going to get out of the way so God can have his way. And there are too many people in the church world that are trying to do it their way rather than God's way, and they're vying for the same chair. God, The Bible says that unless the Lord build the house, they that labor, they labor in vain. God's not going to bless it if we're trying to undermine it. There comes a point we have to step aside so that God can step in. We've got to remove ourselves from the situation so God can get into the situation so that he can do what only he can do. So we begin, we're going to begin talking today about Jacob. Jacob's one of the most well-known stories of the Bible. We talk about him often. We know that Jacob deceived his father for a birthright blessing. We know that Jacob snow-jobbed his brother Esau over a bowl of chili to get the birthright. We know that Jacob was the favored son of his mother. She idolized him. He was a mama's boy, if you will. His very name at birth meant the deceiver and the supplanter of all. We know that he was tricked by his very own family, his uncle Laban, in trying to get married. He was deceived. The deceiver got deceived. That's, a, that's karma. If you don't believe in karma, the Bible just proves karma does sometimes happen. The deceiver got deceived. The Bible teaches we don't call it karma. We call it the, the, the principle of sowing and reaping. The world calls it karma. You will reap what you sow. 
Now you call it karma. You call it the law of reaping and sowing and reaping. But I'm telling you, the Bible said God's never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging for bread. We may be under persecution, but don't worry. There'll come a day when the will be turned and the world will see it a little bit differently than we see it today. It's going to happen. We know that he lived as a vagabond away from his family, as a shepherd for many years. We know that Jacob didn't have, if you will, an easy road after his deception. In fact, his life got much harder on the journey. Can I tell you that on our journey of faith, if we're not careful, we'll allow the things of this world to make our lives a whole lot more difficult than they had to be if we'd have just stayed with God the entire time. There's pleasure in sin for a season, but it has a nasty after effect. It'll take you further than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and leave you in places longer than you intended to stay. It's nasty. It doesn't play for fun. It plays for keeps. But I want to walk you through the life of Jacob very, or yes, Jacob here very quickly. And I did not pick the title of the message just coincidentally. It has a meaning. Because there's a lot of people in this world that at one point in time they walked right with God but life crippled them and they started to feel the effects of that crippling. Some of them, Brother James, are still out there crippling and hobbling along this journey called life trying to figure their way out when nearly they need to come back to Bethel, the house of God, the place where God resides. The Bible says the call goes without repentance. I have seen men and women of the faith that have been called of God. Things in their lives have happened. and They get burned out. They get out the ministry. Different situations occur. But that does not change the fact that God called them for a season. There is a world that's out there dying daily on their way to eternal damnation. While there's plenty of people in the church with self-righteous spirits watching them die because they don't want to get their hands dirty. God did not call us to sit in an air-conditioning building and call that church. He called us to come together to encourage one another and exhort one another, but then to leave here and go into the highways and byways and compel those to come so they can stop being hobbling along this life, but they can be called by name by God. First thing I want you to understand today is that sometimes we can be crippled by ourselves. Sometimes we're our own worst enemy. Now, I'm not going to preach to you but so long today because I, I don't want you to never come back to church today, church again, but I will tell you that sometimes it ain't the devil that did it. It was you. And no, the devil made me do it. It's not a good excuse. Hello, preacher. Because sometimes I believe we give the devil a whole lot more credit than he deserved. And he's sitting there going, wait a minute. I didn't even, why am I getting blamed for this when I didn't even do it? The devil might put it before you and tempt you, but only one person got the ability to actually follow through with the temptation. The devil can't make you do it. You chose to do it. The devil presented the fruit to Adam and Eve. He did not force it down their throat. 
Some folks like to blame everybody else for their problems when what they need to do is buy them a full-size mirror and stand in front of it and say, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's not my mother, not my father, not my sister, not my brother, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in need of prayer. It's not the pastor who didn't preach it right. It's not the song director who didn't sing it right. It wasn't the Sunday school teacher who didn't call me enough. It wasn't the hospitality team who didn't visit enough. No, I'm the one that has the problem. I'm the one that has the bitterness. I'm the one holding resentment. Sometimes we got to realize it's not anybody's fault but my own. I crippled myself. Jacob knew what he was doing when he deceived his father. He knew the plan. But he still did it. It didn't change. He still did it. I'm reminded of a story. In Judges chapter 13 through 16, I'm not going to tell you, but I remember there was a guy who was a famous womanizer he was strong as an ox he was a brute he was a man's man his name was Samson if y'all don't know who I'm talking about Samson slaying thousands of Philistines with jawbones of donkeys he's breaking ropes like they're just a piece of paper I mean he's just ripping and shredding and everything but a woman took him down and it really wasn't the woman that took him down it was his own flesh that took him down because the Bible said he would lay his lap, he lay his head in the lap of Delilah. Delilah, we know from Scripture, she was a woman of, of a report, if you will. She had been around. She was well known in town. She, she was, you know, not a one one man kind of kind of girl. But when you lay your head in the lap of the enemy, don't expect him not to do something in the process. And when you, go, when you go to sleep on the watch in the lap of the enemy and you decide spiritually to fall asleep in the lap of the enemy, don't be surprised to be awakened in bondage. Because when he laid his head in her lap and he finally was seduced enough to realize the secret of his strength, he fell asleep a strong man. He woke up a weak boy. And by the time the Philistines got him, they gouged his eyes out. They made him grind meal in the bottom of a musty dungeon. Then they brought him out to parade him as look at the great Samson before their people and before their God at the temple of Dagon. And they put him out. And only by the mercy of God. But can I tell you that even though Samson crippled himself, Samson got to a place he said, but God, it was me all along. It wasn't Delilah's fault. It wasn't my mama and daddy's fault. But I'm the one. It wasn't Manoah's fault. It was me, God, that made up, but if you'll show me grace one more time, I remember the day you called me from my mother's womb. I remember when she taught me the Nazarite vow. God, if you'll give me one more chance, the Bible said he asked for the, his hands to be put on the pillars of the house. And he said, God, I may go down with them, but I'm dying this time for you. And he pushed that house completely to the rubble, to the ground. Why? Because he still, though he was crippled, though he was legally blind, he still had a call of God on his life. In today's society, we would have said Samson was crippled. He would have been legally blind. He had no eyes. That's crippling. That's a disability. He can't walk. He can't see without someone leading him. The man who had slain thousands can't walk without assistance of someone leading him along the way. The Bible tells us the enemy comes in to kill, steal, and destroy. He'll make things look desirable. Luke tells us to look up, though. That's where our redemption draws. Now, I, I believe Samson looked up when he had his hands on the pillars of that house. You say, well, Pastor, he's blind. He can't see. Oh, he could see. 
He may not could have seen 2020 with eyes and pupils and irises, but he could see in the spirit realm. I've been here before. I may not be able to see all these people down here below, but I have been in this place before. I have felt this spirit before. This is the same spirit I felt when I picked up a jawbone of a donkey. I can't see it, but oh, I can see it playing back in my mind. Oh, I remember when I ripped the lion apart with my bare hands. I can still see the day. There are some people that are walking through this life living on past memories than present victories. They're still seeing, oh, I remember the day Jesus saved me. I remember the day this happened. But they get stuck somewhere between here and then the past there. They're still living off of their past memories than their present victories. God did not call us to stand here and hold the pillars and just go, well, I'm just going to die here. Nothing's going to change. No, He wants us to still have present day victories. He still wants to see us go forth. He still wants to birth His church in power of Pentecost. He still wants signs and wonders and diverse miracles to follow the believers. He still wants to see salvation. It may have dead. We may have had a lot of things in the past that were good, but you know what? 30 years later, God's still with us. And we got to keep pressing on. And we got to keep going on because there's still more sons and daughters. There's still more families. We still got to have present day victories, not just past memories. Past memories. So he pushed the walls down. We know Jacob was, he crippled himself, if you will, by the frustrations of lying and cheating and being a conniver. He lost his family, fled his home, had a life full of hurt, pain, and frustration. But it did not change that God met him at Bethel, where angels of the Lord descended on a ladder. And just going up and down and said, you might be the supplanter. And you might be the one that's deceived, but i got something special for you. All that you have been through is all for naught. I've got a plan for your life. The decisions that Jacob made cost him 20 years away from his family. 14 years working for Laban and 6 years on his journey back home. In fact, the last time he saw his mother was the day he left his house as a deceiver. He never saw mama again. Back then, they didn't have cell phones. It wasn't like you just text your mom, hey, mom, how you doing? He never talked to his mother again. He only saw his father Isaac briefly, the Bible tells us. He literally showed up in Genesis 35, saw his father, and almost instantaneously, Isaac dies. Lost 20 years of father, leadership, and guidance. Some of you in this house, you've been crippled by yourself. You crippled yourself. I'm not talking about falling up the stairs, tripping down the hallway on the rug, falling in the parking lot because the gravel's uneven. I'm not talking about physical, but you crippled yourselves. And you don't, you don't metaphorically, most people can't see it, but you're just hobbling along. You're just barely getting by. Your marriage is on the rocks. You're just barely trying to get it through. You don't even know if you're going to make it. You don't even know if your marriage is going to make it. But you don't want nobody else to know that you crippled it because you made decisions that you regretted. But you hadn't given those decisions to God. You've had issues with a pastor or a teacher or a leader in the past. And it wasn't really even them that was that bad. It was just you just didn't like what they said or they didn't let you have your way. And so now you're hobbling, you're just hobbling along this journey of faith, miserable. But the only person that's miserable is not them, it's you. Because you've crippled yourself. But I don't want to leave you with 
Debbie Downer news because secondly, I want to let some of you know that whether you liked it or not, some of you were crippled by other people. It wasn't your fault either. Other people did it to you. I remember a story in 2 Samuel chapter 4. There's a guy by the name of Mephibosheth. We classify him today as a disabled person. The Bible says he was lame on his feet, literally meaning he can't walk. Today he would have been wheelchair bound. Crutches didn't even have him. He was wheelchair bound. Couldn't walk. I think that classifies as disability in our world today. That would be crippled. But he didn't ask for it. Somebody else did it to him. The enemy's coming in. The people of Saul, Saul and Jonathan, are, they have fought the fight, and they are trying to run from the enemy. Philistines are coming, and all the different ones are attacking. And so the nurse that was taking care of Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, thought she was doing a good thing. And so Sister Brenda and Hayes, she picks him up, and she tries to hold him, and she takes off running so that they don't kill the prince. Even if they kill Saul, even if they kill Jonathan, we still have a remnant. We still have a piece of history. We still have a piece of royalty. If any of you, I don't know how many of you did, but just this past weekend, we, they uh, in England just cr- uh, coronated their new king, King Charles. And, 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 and it was historical, and it was all over the news and things like that. She thought they might kill the king. They might kill the firstborn of the king, but we'll keep a piece of history. We'll hold on to this past. We'll hold on to something so when the dust settles, we'll still have something to hold on to. But Sister Patricia, what happened is in her in her fit of hurry and she's trying she trips and she drops the baby and it cripples him breaks his legs there have been pastors and teachers and preachers and Sunday school teachers and song directors at many of churches they were carrying the torch but they got tripped up and they dropped it But other people felt the effects harder than they did because it destroyed the people that were watching them. There's a lot of people, they were running. They were were trying to do the right thing. They were holding on to history. They were trying to go, but something tripped them. And other people's lives were forever altered and changed. Not because they asked for it, but because it was done to them by other people. People will say things that will hurt you physically, mentally, emotionally, even spiritually. I've heard men and women of old and people that have lived a long time make statements like, life is hard, then you die. That's encouraging, isn't it? What a choice. A hard life or death. That's a real nice, you know, Brother Ray, I don't really know which one I like better there. That's a tough call. Life's hard, then you die. If you make your bed hard, you have to lie in it. How do I make it soft so I sleep is the next question I want to know. Make your bed hard, you have to sleep or lie in it. I didn't understand them for a long time. I heard people say that, and I thought, what are they talking about? But the older that I've gotten and watched things and watched the world and watched other people and have had people come by my office, the more I realize those statements have some profound implications. The choices that you make, your friends... Your activities, your decisions can and will affect you for the rest of your life, but it also can affect others for the rest of their lives. Let me give you an example. You decide to go drink. I'm not here to preach your convictions on social drinking versus intoxicated beverages. I know the Bible talks about your eyes can turn red and you shouldn't be 
you know, a wine bibber and all these different things. You know, I, I have my beliefs and stance. I know what the, I believe the Bible says. And, and you know what? I'm not going to stand here and argue with you 30 minutes or an hour or two hours the rest of your life. Well, is it okay to just have one beer? Is it okay to just have one uh, glass of wine? Is it okay? I, you know, I'm, I'm not. That, to me, you're, you're just gagging a gnat swallowing a camel. You're, you're just trying to find a loophole to sin. That ain't my part. That's not my job to decide. That's between you and God. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This is what I will tell you. I've never seen alcohol bring in anything positive, ever. I've had alcoholic family members. Still have some that drink. I'm going to give you an example. Just three weeks ago, on Folly Beach, South Carolina, there was a beautiful young lady named Samantha that had her wedding at 5 o'clock in the afternoon on the beach. Married the love of her life. I think his name was Art. They got married at 5, and at 11 o'clock, they decided to take their brother, her, his brother-in-law, their brother-in-law was going to take them on the golf cart ride back to the beach house to get their car. A teenage girl, a young adult girl, was driving 120 miles an hour in a residential area, intoxicated, hit that golf cart straight on. Guess who died? The wife just got married. The husband is now on life support. Guess who walked away with not a scratch? The drunk girl. Oh, yeah. You say, well, pastor, she needs to get a DUI. Oh, she got it. She needs to go to jail for vehicular manslaughter. Oh, she probably will. But in her early 20s, there's a girl in her late 20s that never got to see the fruition of her wedding day. There's another girl that might live till she's 80 years old, but she's going to live till she's 80 years old in prison. Because of a decision, because she decided one night at Folly Beach she wanted to hang out with some friends at somebody's crab shack or whatever and get intoxicated and drive home. Her decisions not only affected her, but had direct implications of changing an entire family for the rest of their life. Your decisions don't always just affect you. They can cripple others. Because even if Art wakes up, they said he's got years of rehab and recovery even if he comes back to full recovery, he'll never be the same because his wife was dead. He'll never be the same. Could he forgive? Maybe. I've seen that. People do that. Could he, could he try to move on? Maybe. But will he ever be the same man again? No, he will not. I'm not telling you that when you have things happen in your life, you can't rebuild and God can't take a broken heart and a broken and contrite spirit that he doesn't despise and put those pieces back together. But just because he puts the pottery back together doesn't mean it's the same piece of pottery it once was. The potter, Jeremiah said, I went to the potter's field. He smashed the pot. He remolded and remade it. What did he do? He made a different design out of it. It may be a beautiful pot, but it wasn't the original manufactured pot. That has direct implications. Jacob had the same problem. Jacob saw that. Jacob's decisions affected not being able to see his father. Not ever speaking to his brother for 20 years. Not being able to tell his brother about the greatest day when he got married. He didn't even get to have his brother as a best man in the wedding because they weren't invited to the wedding. Mama and daddy never got to see the grandbabies grow up. They never met them. Jacob's decisions made Rebecca never see her grandbabies. Rebecca's decision to help Jacob supplant Esau affected her to the point she never met her offspring's children. Isaac didn't get to watch Joseph and Simeon and Judah and and Leah. He never got to see them grow up. He got to see them fleeting on a deathbed. 
Esau lost 20 years. He didn't get invited to the wedding. He didn't get to see his nieces and nephews. Jacob's decisions affected everybody else too in the process. And then I'm going to tell you one more t- one more thing and then I'll, I'll wrap this up. Sometimes you're crippled by yourself. Nobody to blame but you. Sometimes you have been, some of you in this building, some of you watching online, you may have been crippled by other people. You didn't ask for the divorce, but you got it. Hello? Some people don't ask for divorces. They just get them. They didn't ask for it. Some folks didn't ask for a deadbeat dad. They just inherited one. Hello, preacher. I'm preaching better than you're helping me today. I don't care if you like it or not. I'm preaching good today. Some folks didn't ask for their children to become drug addicts, but that's what they got. They raised them in church. And the fear and admonition of the Lord, when they grow older, they decided to veer off from that. They didn't ask for that. They got that. They didn't ask for tragedy to hit their house, but it did. They didn't ask for their church to split, but it happened. They didn't ask to watch their home church basically disintegrate over years of time to the point now that it's on very very much so on life support and may not ever be the same again, but they've watched their church go down the tubes. They didn't ask to be diagnosed with cancer, but that's what they got from the doctor. They didn't ask to have mama die unexpectedly, but that's what happened. A lot of things in life we don't ask for but they still have effects on our lives forever. But now I'm going to rock your theology, and then I'm going to tuck my tail and run. Not only can you be crippled by yourself and others, but can you? Can I tell you, sometimes God will humble you if you don't humble yourself. Now this is the part ain't nobody going to like with the preacher today. That's why I saved it for last, so I can tuck my tail and run. Because if God can't get your attention one way, he will get it another way. And you'll wish to God he hadn't got it that way when it's all said and done. What are you talking about, preacher? Let me draw your attention to the book of Genesis, chapter 32. Now Jacob was left alone. He had sent his family across the river. There appeared to him a man on, on the other side of the river. The two of them wrestled until daybreak. When Jacob saw that he had not prevailed against him, the angel of the Lord saw that he had not prevailed against him. The angel of the Lord touched the socket of the hip of Jacob so that the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated upon this wrestling match. He said to him, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob replied, I won't let you go and leave me the same way you found me. You crippled me here, but you ain't going to leave me here crippled. Read the text. I know I'm paraphrasing it, but you go back and read it in Genesis 32. Jacob gets touched by the hand of God. He goes, he's crippled. He literally has hip dysplasia. His hip goes out. I don't know how many of you have ever had back problems or ever had your hip go out the socket or ever had like where you didn't feel like you could walk. But you talk about pain when you can't move. He gets touched, he can't move, and the guy says to him that crippled him, let me go, I've got other things to do. And Jacob said, oh, no, 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 no. You crippled me here, and you ain't going to leave me here the way you found me. I'm not staying this way. 
I'm not staying this way. He said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me for what you've done. The angel Lord said, what is your name? He said, I am Jacob, the deceiver, the supplanter, the conniver. That's, my name's Jacob. He said, no, it's not. Your name will no longer be Jacob, but it will be Israel, for you have wrestled with God and man. You've wrestled with your own self, Jacob. You've wrestled by crippling yourself. Jacob, you've wrestled by other people crippling you. Jacob, you've wrestled with men, but you're still here today at Bethel. You came back to Bethel, the house of God. You showed up to Bethel one more time. You came to the altar, Jacob, one more time. You prayed a prayer, Jacob, one more time. You wrestled with God and man, and you prevailed. You may have walked a dirty road. You may have walked a hard road, but you came to church the right day one more time. You came to an altar one more time, and Jacob, Jacob, I won't leave you the same way. You have wrestled with all this life, and you have made the God the Lord and Savior of your life. I'm going to bless you, son. I'm going to help you. I'm going to get you through this. You're never going to be alone. There's so many people out there that are crippled by themselves and by others, but if they would ever come to Bethel, the house of God, one more time, Maybe God that Sunday could say to them, you've wrestled with men. You've wrestled with alcohol. You've wrestled with drugs. You've wrestled with adultery. You've wrestled with pornography. You've wrestled with a lot of stuff, but you have come to the altar today. You've wrestled with man, but you now are wrestling with God, and you have prevailed and changed their name. There's a new name, the Bible says, written down in glory. Yes, it's mine. It says old things pass away, all things become new. There's a point in time that when we wrestle with this life, when we decide to give it over to God, God will say you're no longer a sinner, but you're redeemed. You're no longer an adulterer, but you're saved by grace. You're no longer a liar, but you're delivered by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can be different when you leave this place today. You can be different. You don't have to be the same. So he said, when the man left, Jacob comes to his senses and he said, I have seen God face to face and yet my life has been spared. The sun rose up and he crossed over the river limping Read the text, limping on his thigh. He didn't have a cane yet. He hadn't got it yet. He's walking like this across that riverbed trying to get back to Rachel and Leah. No doubt they probably saw him afar off brother the man and thought, what's happened to him? Maybe they ran to him and said, what's happened to you? What's wrong? Are you okay? I can believe Jacob just... Give me a stab. Give me a stab. And they hand it to him. And I believe with all my heart, Jacob said, I'm okay. I'm okay. He's, you know, the Bible teaches us that they still don't eat, the, the Jewish people still don't eat the meat around the hip bone of an animal because of the, based on, on this story of Jacob. I believe they hand it to him. Are you okay? Are you okay, Daddy? Are you okay? Honey, are you okay? And I believe with all my heart, he said, I'm okay. Yeah, but you're limping. Oh, I know, honey. I know, but I'm okay. While you were sleeping... God and I were talking. <laughs> well, while your children are out there sleeping on the watch, the Bible says that we need watchtowers on the wall, not falling asleep. While this world is out there sleeping in sin, we can be wrestling with God. While our children don't know what's going on in the darkness, while they're living in darkness, 
clueless, we can be wrestling in the light. While our grandchildren are clueless, we can be talking to God. While our grandchildren and great-grandchildren are asleep in their house tonight, you and God can wrestle together in the prayer room, in the prayer closet, and God can change your life. And when you walk into that room, and little grandbaby comes walking in and says, Mimi, Gigi, Grammy, what's wrong with you? Are you okay? You can say, oh, yes, honey, while you were sleeping. God, and I've been talking about you. When they walk in the door and says, I wanted to go to the party, Grandma, but I just felt like I couldn't go. You can start shouting on those hills of glory because you can say, what you don't know is while you were making that decision, God and I have been together, and we've been wrestling, and I've been praying for you. And God finally said, I'll take it from here. I may never be the same, but I'm different by Jesus Christ. I'll never be the same. Never be the same again. Never be the same. Some people have wrestled with God in this place before. You've been there. I reminded the story of Jesus. We know God crippled Jesus. We put it all the way to Calvary's cross. Jesus prayed for it to be the cup to be released, but it wasn't. In fact, Isaiah 53 tells us that it pleased the Lord to crush him. But Jacob came back to the house of God and he said, God, I'm not leaving here until we talk. I'm telling you, I know it's 1215. I know you got reservations at Hall's Chop House or Gilligan's at the dock, but I'm telling you, it'll do you some good in this place at some point in time to say, you know what, today I'm not leaving here, God, until you and I have a conversation. I'm praying for my children. I'm praying for my grandchildren. I'm praying for my wife. I'm praying for their health. I'm praying for their, I'm praying for my parents. I'm praying for my church. I'm praying for my grandchildren. You might not, you might have people in your family you haven't talked to in 20 years. You need to wrestle with God and prevail today. You need to talk to God and wrestle with Him today. He wrestled till daybreak. The Bible says he got to a point for the rest of his life, Brother Mike, he always walked with a limp. How do you know that, preacher? Because when he gets to the land of Goshen in his 90s, and it comes time a few years later for him to die, the Bible says he calls in Joseph and says, Son, don't leave me in bondage. All my life I've had to fight. But I know there's a promise of God because I met with him at Bethel. Buddy, while you were still in the womb, God and I were talking about you. When you were born, God and I have talked about you. Promise me you won't leave me like you found me here, Joseph. And when Joseph agreed to leave, to, to agree to what his dad's request was, the Bible said he leaned on his staff. And according to the Bible in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, he said, when Jacob finally heard that I'm not going to die in bondage, I may die in bondage, but I'm not going to stay in bondage. The Bible says we have to crucify ourselves daily. You may have to die to sin, but you'll live in Christ. <laughs> and the reality of it is, Jacob said, I may die in Egypt, but I'm going to rest in the promised land. I'm resting in Canaan. I may die in Goshen. 
but I'll rest in paradise. You may die and Shelley Abdal Murray may put you in some cemetery somewhere or some gravesite somewhere in this town, but you won't die there. You may have died here. You're going to rest in glory. The Bible says we get perfect rest when we go to heaven and we'll, we'll cease from our labors and we'll be forever with the Lord. I'm telling you, you may die on this side of heaven, but you're going to live on the other side of glory. I'm telling you, Jacob said once he heard the words, I'm not going to, I may die in bondage, but I'm not going to stay in bondage. The Bible says, he grabbed his staff and he hobbled along a few feet but the Bible said I believe Sister Tina with all my heart I can't prove it scripturally but you know what since I'm the preacher I'll tell it my way today and you can tell it a different time next Sunday but I believe for all those years after that moment that he had with God he walked and he leaned on that staff and he was struggling to make every step and it hurt but I believe when he heard those words that a Hebrew said and what the words of Genesis when he heard that Jacob uh, Joseph said I won't leave you here I believe he grabbed that staff one more time Sister Barnes but this time something happened in his hip it just kind of fell off of him for a second and he had enough strength to erect himself straight up and say I may not can walk another step but I won't let you go Lord until you bless me one more time the Bible said he blessed the sons of Joseph he blessed his children and then he laid down he rested what did he do he died but I believe before he died the last thing he did was he laid down the staff and said I've carried that weight long enough I am crippled but I'm still called of God Almighty. And the enemy tried to take me out. The enemy tried to take my marriage. The enemy tried to take our church. But God still had a calling on my life. He still had a calling. He still had a calling. Miss Kells, you make your way. I had some illustrations that I wanted to share, but I feel impressed to move to a different part as we get ready to close. I can't prove Jacob dropped the staff. But I can prove to you that Jacob was never the same after he wrestled with God. He always walked with the lamp. But you know what I realize, Brother Larry, that every morning, Jacob was just like all of us. He laid down on a bed at night. But in the morning when it would be daybreak, he'd have to sit up and every day it was a struggle sister Ann for him to get out of the bed because everything hurt there was no meat here he was disabled he had full disability if you will sister Mary what I believe with all my heart is every morning Jacob had to grab a post of a bed and it was a struggle get out that bed every day brother Henry might have to stand there for a few minutes and let the feeling in his leg come back the one good side just for a moment some of y'all in here know what I'm talking about y'all been here just this morning y'all been here I'm not talking about physically being here I'm talking about some of y'all just this morning wrestled with getting out the bed trying to come to church because you're, you're already feeling crippled not physically but emotionally and spiritually about that time He'd have to hold on, Brother Mike, to just anything in the room. Because he had to get to the other side of the room because on the other side of the room was his cane. And he didn't want to fall. So he'd get it 
put that weight on that, can he? He'd pull back the temple, the, the tent shade where he slept, and he'd walk outside to where the family's eating breakfast. He's a little bit slower than everybody else getting to breakfast because it takes a lot of work for him to get up every day. But he didn't lay down and die. He kept going. Some of us in this building, not only spiritually, or not only physically, but spiritually, you're hobbling along. But you ain't dead. So keep walking. There are sons and daughters that need you. Pastor, I don't move like I used to. Well, praise God, neither do I. Let's keep walking. I'm not as fast as I used to be. Don't care. Keep walking. You ain't dead. Keep walking. Until you're dead, you still can move. Keep walking. It might have took a while to get there, but when he sat down at the table, Brother James, I believe all the kids shut up talking. Because Jacob, the patriarch of the family, daddy, had sat down at the table. Brother Dennis, I believe he finally got to the table. He said, all right, bow your heads. Close your eyes, boys. We're going to talk to God today. Daddy, we've been, we've been waiting. Mama's been cooking pancakes. It's 30 minutes ago she's finished. You ain't even got out the bed. Bow your head and close your eyes, boys. If I'd use this cane and whoop your behind and this spray. Some of y'all have used that cane before like that too. Y'all call it a belt, but it's similar. Some of y'all got some today probably. And I believe he didn't pray. Now lay me down to sleep. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I believe Jacob... Before, I, before Esau, I'm not Esau, before Joseph and Levi and Simeon, Dan and Asher and Natali and Reuben and Gad. I believe he started things like, oh thou God, great Jehovah. Thank you for my pretty boys and my beautiful wives. But God, thank you for being God. You woke me up one more time and started me on my way. It might have been a slow way, but I'm on my way. Because what happened is every day he crawled out of the bed and he felt that hip give out. It reminded him of where it went out. It went out with him and God. Some of you, the crippling that that you have felt by yourself or by others, you haven't forgotten them. You're still carrying those cripples. Some of you may have been like Jacob and been crippled by God and humbled by God with an infirmity. The Apostle Paul said, I prayed for the Lord to remove it, and he wouldn't let it go. I had a thorn in my flesh, and some people believe it was an infirmity, and he said God wouldn't let it go. I had to live with that thing. But he didn't stop. He kept going. But the day came, and he knew it was time to go. Not not to Goshen and not to Canaan, but home. He called all of his sons in one more time, every one of them, and he blessed them. And he got to Joseph. Son, don't leave me like you found me. Take me home. For some of you in this room, you've got sons and daughters grandchildren, great-grandchildren, spouses, family members. They're crippled spiritually, physically, emotionally. They're in a bad place right now. They may not even realize it, but they do need somebody to take them home. I'm not talking about to their physical address. I'm talking about 
Help them get home. Help them get back to Bethel, the house of God. Help them get back. I wonder how many people would just say to God today, God, I'll wrestle with you until something gives. I'll pray until something gives. I'll pray until I have peace. I'll wrestle with you, God. Help me get them home. Whether it's the house of God or whether it's to heaven. But God, help me get them home. I'm not going to leave them like I know where they are right now. I'm not going to leave them like I found them. That call I got this morning on the phone. God, I'm not going to leave them like that phone call. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm gonna, I won't leave them the same way. The old song says you won't leave here like you came. In Jesus' name, bound, oppressed, tormented, sick, or lame. For the Holy Ghost of Acts is still the same. I'm telling you, we've got to have people that are willing to say, I won't leave you this way. I'm going to help you get home. The question is this. There may be many people in this house or online, you've been crippled. But God still has a calling on your life too. Jacob's life was not easy and the road was, was very hard. But even with the limp, he kept walking. He kept walking. Some of you, you've been on the verge of quitting. Quitting church, quitting the ministry, quitting, I don't know what, your job. There's people in this room, you've been on the verge of giving up. You're ready to quit. Don't quit. Keep walking. But Pastor, you don't understand what I'm going through. I didn't tell you you had to run. The Bible says, yeah, yeah, wait on the Lord. You'll renew your strength. you walk. You'll run and not grow weary. you walk and not faint. Yeah, I know all those scriptures. But everything in life ain't going to be a sprint. Sometimes it's going to be a hobble. Can I tell you that whether I run as fast as I can to that back door or whether there's an 80 or a 90 year old person that has to go to the back door just like this this morning it's like the old story of the tortoise and the hare but if that person I may already be there there's some of you you may take you a little bit longer to get there but you're still going there it may take some time but you're going to get there don't stop walking. Don't stop. There's children, grandchildren, there's people that need you. Don't stop walking. You may be crippled, ready to throw it all in. God's called you for such a time as this. There may be an Esther in this room. God called you for such a time as this. There may be a David. There may be a, 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 a Joseph. There may be a, a redeemer of their family in this room. Don't stop walking. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask one question, two questions. Number one, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life and the full pardoning of your sin, and you want to make sure that you're standing right with God when it comes time to go to heaven one day, but you don't know that you would go to heaven should God call you tonight, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand up. I just want to pray a prayer of salvation for you today so you don't go to to eternity lost. Is there anyone today that says, Pastor, I'm not sure where my eternity is and I don't want to go lost. Are there any? Amen. My last question is this, and I won't belabor the point. The last question is this. I wonder if anybody would say today, Pastor, this message really spoke to my heart. It was for me. I'm that guy you're talking about or I'm that lady you're talking about in that story. I'm that person feeling that way. Whether it's crippled by self others or God 
you feel like today this message was for you and you'd like for me to pray with you and join my faith with you to reach heaven's throne room and for God to move on your behalf I want you to slip your hand up wherever you are and say pastor that was for me pray for me today yes 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 amen I'm going to ask you to do something very strange I know some people raise their hands whether you want to come up front or you want to make it at your seat but I'm going to ask everybody at this moment for the next few moments to find them an altar because every one of us if we're truthfully honest with ourselves we've got things in our lives we're wrestling with and that we need God to intervene on so wherever you are I'm going to ask you to find